1912 is the year. April 15th, 1912 is the date the Titanic sank. It hit the iceberg on the 14th. Uh, honestly, I forgot how much I love this period for fashion. I always say my favorite era is mid-19th century, so like 1850s, 1860s. But when researching for this episode, I was very tempted to like say it was the early 1910s. <laughs> So it's at least my second favorite time period, I, w I will probably say. Um, but what's weird about the 1910s is there's like so much change in it. And I don't know if that's just because we notice it because it's closer to uh, what we see as modern clothing uh, than, you know, the, the 1800s or 19th century when we look at the clothes and, you know, the average person would probably be like, well, they all look the same. Uh, I think the 1910s has, and it also could be because of World War One having an effect on society and that in turn having an effect on fashion. Um, but I love the early 1910s up to probably 1913, 1914. And then I don't like dislike the later 1910s, but I think of them as very different, even though they certainly have similarities. It, 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 there's like a sort of, I feel like there's a sort of line into where it becomes modern where i think like later 1910s up to present day is sort of this modern section of fashion history and then my favorite part which is like early 1910s and earlier all the way back to you know beginning of time i guess okay so uh for history and fun facts uh there's so like this should be like called name dropping the movie because there's so many like famous real life people who are on the titanic but in terms of fashion, it's, I think, really important that we discuss Lucille Lady Duff Gordon, who Rose actually introduces, or not introduces, but, you know, when when uh, Rose is telling Jack about all the different people in the first-class dining room, she uh, talks about her, and she says, oh, she designs naughty lingerie, and uh, among her many talents, I think, is the line. And mm -hmm. uh, she didn't actually just design lingerie. She did lots of tea gowns and uh, just... If you look up her stuff, I will definitely share some of that, that, but she has some really nice pieces that she's made. She was a really talented designer, uh, and there's a dress, actually, that I, that I, I have this fashion history book. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's still at home in Stockton, um, but uh, there's this picture of this dress from 1916, and I used to say I didn't like the era 1916 and 16 until I saw this this dress and it was absolutely stunning it's called the happiness dress I believe and there are different versions of it and it basically looks it looks kind of like a doll's dress it's got pink and blue in it uh, which you know I love that color combo it's got a fullish type skirt and I just remember being like okay I could give the mid 1910s a chance and not say I openly dislike them and now I of course like them but I had no idea that this dress was actually designed by her so I really recommend you look up the happiness dress I'll of course post it on Instagram but it's one of my favorite pieces just in fashion history in general I will always recognize this dress and so it's cool to know who actually designed it now and that that person was actually on the Titanic in real life so another famous before you move on from yes. her um i actually i don't know if this is true or not but um after being reintroduced to her 
designer on the ship, mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe the robe that, um, what's her name? That Rose wears later on when she has Jack paint her like one of her French, one of his French girls. <laughs> yes. Um, I was wondering if maybe she had designed that robe and that is why she introduces her as the one who uh, designs huh. the lingerie. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Or if, it, huh. I mean, like, in the movie. In the movie, It's yes. probably just something that's, like, based on the design, but, I'm like, right. real life to movie. Uh, but I'm wondering if in the movie it's supposed to be one of her robes. You know, that's a fan theory right there. Yep. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Rose would, I mean, Rose would probably own some of her stuff, not necessarily because Rose was a crazy money-spending person, but that's just the society she grew up in, so, like, she would have bought the best of the best, or her mom would have bought the best of the best for her, or whatever, so it, mm-hmm. it makes sense that she would have some of her stuff, so. In yeah. the real and there's world. there's actually... Oh, sorry. Huh? No, uh, go ahead. In the real world, I, I don't think it was actually the one that was designed by the designer they introduced in the show whose name i've magically forgotten lady duff gordon lucille okay i'm gonna go with lucille um because uh there are actually some sketches of the original design for the movie and Mm. the robe was originally like a i want to call it like an earl gray like if you get Earl Grey tea and you see the bag it's always the same color so I just call it Earl Grey um but it's that like grayish lavender color um pretty yeah and then the the like embroidered part on the side the lacy part is actually pink and white Mm. and it looks like flowers and then The long, the sash that wraps around her waist was actually originally like a dark blue and then it fades into a magenta and then a light pink. And at the end it's like a black knot. Sounds gorgeous. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. I like the original design more than I like the actual dress. But. What you're deci- what you're describing for the original one, I think sounds almost a little too innocent though. Oh, yeah. Maybe no, that's most, why they went with, like, most the black. Definitely. I think yeah. they went with the black because this was too innocent as well. Yeah. But I kind of yeah. wish that but, they left the pink part on the uh, lacy yes. area. Because that in black and pink would be beautiful. Oh, yes! Send me a picture of that so I can see it and show everybody. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact, I didn't really actually take tons of notes on that particular robe. It's called the kimono robe, apparently. Um, since we... But since we're talking about it. Yes, huh? it is a kimono style robe. No, but like it's called like that's the the name for it, I guess, that it was represented. The kimono robe. Like the the red dress where she's like trying oh, to jump off okay, the ship. It's okay. called the jump dress. It's yeah, that's what it's that's what people call it. So, um, yeah, anyway. Japanese and Asian influence was very popular at the time. Uh, designer Paul Poiret, who took a lot of influence from like 
kind of like in the, and I'll talk about this, like in the Regency period, you know how I was saying there's a lot of Eastern influence um, because they wanted to look, you know, like they were well-traveled and everything. So this was also very popular in this time period as well. So you'll see, uh, I'll talk about a lot more of that in a bit. Hmm, maybe that's uh, why they take their paintings with them everywhere. Oh, maybe. I was really hmm. weirded out by that. I was like, why the fuck would you take a Monet painting on a ship with you? Well, I mean, I think she was moving. Oh. Like, so she was taking her whole... That's why they were people were probably bringing the car, too. Like, why would you bring the car on the ship with you? Uh, a lot of people do that, actually. So that okay. they can drive around when they get wherever they're going. I mean, there are car rentals. Anyway, maybe not back then. Uh, so Molly Brown, or Margaret Brown, which was her real name. She never went by Molly in real life. I know in the movie they say, like, she went by Molly around us or whatever. And I think that's just for the sake of, like, the audience understanding who she is and being recognizable. Uh, mm-hmm. I always thought that was kind of, like, I love this movie, but I always kind of thought it was dumb that everybody on the ship, like, oh, we all called her Molly. I'm like, yeah, sure you did. Huh? Yeah, right. But I think it's, again, for the audience. Um, I think the movie had a pretty good depiction of her, though I, if you want to, like, know a lot about the real Molly Margaret Brown, I recommend the podcast The History Chicks. They have a nice biography of her in an episode, and they say that she likely actually would not have talked the way she did in the film, because she, by that time she was pretty used to the formal society and would have had a more proper way of speaking, because, and she was well-respected. There wasn't as much of the cattiness going on there was but it it was less like what we see in the movie however for the sake of you know like rose's mom's character is just a bitch so naturally she would be a bitch to uh molly brown anyway and i think the accent the reason they do have it is rather than stray from the main story with rose and jack uh it would take a lot of time to get a sense of molly brown's character and so since this movie was not really about her giving her that accent made it easier to understand sort of who she was without having to go into a long explanation so i think that makes sense and then just clothing related she uh on the night of the sinking she put on layers and layers of warm clothes and would hand them out to people in need so total badass look her up She's awesome, and there is a house you can actually visit in Colorado. Uh, that was her house, and lots of information. But there's a lot of myths surrounding who she was, and as it like she was a really cool, real person. So learning the actual facts about her is something I definitely recommend doing. She was super fascinating. So now, let's go on to ladies' clothes. Woo! Do do do. Scrolling down. I'm going to edit so much of that out because I feel like I was just mumbling on. Uh, So women's clothing. The silhouette of this time is a weird place between the Edwardian period and World War I. So a lot of people would call 1912 the Edwardian period in terms of fashion because the fashion still was closer, I would say, to that than it was to the 1920s, not just time period-wise, but look-wise. Um... Technically, I don't think it was. I don't remember what year King Edward died, but I'm pretty sure it was before the year 1912. So many dresses, and like I was saying before, um, 
because of the there were a lot of similarities to the Regency period. Uh, so they look kind of like those, but with slight differences, almost like if the 20s were trying to dress up in Regency style, if that makes <gasps> any sense. Whoops, I just slammed my foot. Probably got that on, uh, on record, so that's fun. The fashionable silhouette was a low, wide bust, slim hips, and a high waistline, but not as high as in the Regency area. Er, er, I keep saying area. Regency era, and not as pronounced, so much smoother. And uh, the 1912 corset wasn't meant to nip the waist. It was more to smooth out the form and make it almost tube-like, but that doesn't sound attractive. So think an attractive tube, I guess. (laughs) So it was sort of on its way to becoming the boxy 20s silhouette, but still with the influence from the Edwardian period. So... Uh, and I'm going to talk more about the corset later because there's some stuff I want to say about that. So just kind of remember what I said about the silhouette when I get into the corset. It's so for day wear, hmm? it's tube like. Yes, yes, but also especially the low bust, slim hips, high waistline. Okay, that's okay? the part you have to remember, guys. Very, very smooth, not, not jutting out anywhere so not really curvy I guess day wear so let's talk about Rose's boarding outfit so it's almost identical to a suit from Limode magazine from January 1912 and if you look closely you can see that her earrings are actually little gold sparrows with purple jewels and they're so pretty hats were very wide at the time just like what she would have they'd also uh probably you know really having like live taxidermy live not live taxidermy is not alive it's dead but real taxidermy birds on the hats was a thing and that was actually not that cool because put species uh you know in danger a lot some were endangered some were extinct so not really great and i think that's probably why rose didn't have any on her hat she's not a bird killer uh but yeah, hats were very wide. woman. Yes. Hats were very wide at the time, like I said. And they were called Merry Widow Hats based on, or not based on, but because there was a play called The Merry Widow in which there were hats like that worn, I guess. Um, and they used to have these, like, giant hat pins to keep the hats in the hair. So, like, the bigger the hat, the bigger the pin. And uh, I think what's funny is, do you remember that scene? At, like, so you know when they're like spitting, like doing the spitting lesson, right? And then later on, uh, Cal is trying to get Rose to like come back and she's like struggling and struggling and then she spits in his face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, ah! Um, apparently they were originally going to either use like a hairpin or maybe a hat pin because hat pins at the time were actually used for self-defense. And you can see all these articles about like oh men in peril with hat pins it's like hey how about men just don't assault women and then you don't have to worry about hat pins <laughs> <laughs> but i thought that was interesting but yeah so uh self-defense in 1912 i think we should bring that back i think we should too <laughs> i think that we should all have hat pins and we should yes. use them for protection i think so i mean they're stabbier than keys they really are and they're yeah. longer than keys, so they're more yes. likely to actually help you. 
Yes. I agree. And, uh, yeah. So, I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, and then you can see lots of, like, of course, I'll show the picture of the original dress that was, that's almost identical to the one that you see Rose wearing on the, in the first scene of the 1912, not the modern. When I say first scene, I'm going to be talking about, like, in the actual year 1912. I don't really count the beginning part. That is the um, third scene. Fine. Fine. Scene three, then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, yeah, and then there were other suits like that at the time that looked very similar as well, so I will show those. I don't have a ton to say about the, the green tea gown with the orange belt, but I think it's very pretty, and it looks right for the time. Apparently they were supposed to have her, uh, like, have a purse and hat that go with it, but they uh, ended up not doing that, which I think makes sense for, like, maybe inside, but outside it might have made more sense if she had the hat I don't know um but you know fun fact so the deck dress this the yellow dress that she's wearing during the spinning lesson speaking of uh it's like this yellow dress with a belt and has really nice embroidery uh on the shoulders you know which one I'm talking about yep okay great so that actually is a dress that has a hobble skirt and I don't remember if I actually talked about hobble skirts in the episode on Wonder Woman. Do you remember if I have, if I did? That was way too long ago. Okay, that's what I thought. I don't know if, I don't recall any scenes in the movie where you can actually see the bottom of the dress, but there is an image where you can see that it's really tight around her ankles, almost. Like, so walking probably would not have been very easy with that. Mm -hmm. And that would be... A hobble skirt um, because there are these things that you would put on horses called hobbles and it would like prevent them from I don't know what it was for really but it tied them together basically and it was I mean honestly not probably the most fun thing but it was very fashionable at the time and this is an example of one that Rose is wearing and I guess she's not having that hard a time walking but I think it's interesting that they did include that um, so moving on to the flying dress, that's another example of the Asian inspiration that was popular in fashion at the time. And again, I'll have lots of examples of dresses that look like that one. It just, there's so many, like, I can pick out of fashion, like, of, uh, surviving museum dresses that look similar to the ones in the movie, which again, just props to the designer because you can see all, all the research she did. Um, now to evening wear. Okay, so intricate beading to show off wealth was a thing. Uh, the Titanic wasn't just to get from one place to another of her first class passion passengers. It was, I mean, it wasn't a cruise ship because that, when you think cruise ship, you think a little more tacky, I guess. Um, but it was an opportunity to show your best gowns and you know pro that probably that they bought while they were abroad and honestly like I know that makes me sound like a snob but that sounds like a fun activity oh my god it's honestly. so fun I mean yes. I've been yes. on a few cruises and I always got super excited because I got to wear my super fancy dresses that I found at yes. the freaking thrift store <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah great. so this was Definitely, especially, and again, in that time where, like, class was a super big deal. 
So obviously, probably not clothes that Rose would have chosen for the sake of showing off her wealth, but in her class, that's what was done. And so she, of course, had very fancy, uh, detailed beading on her clothes. So the jump dress, which is the one that, yeah, I've been ca- I've been calling the dresses dresses like different things, uh, but I figured you kind of knew what I was talking about. Yeah. So okay. the jump dress is the red one. Yes. Um, yes, because she's I actually have a fun fact that I want to insert before you probably say <laughs> yes, it yourself. Please. So, the red dress that Rose wears, uh, all of the embroidery and beadwork on that was done by hand, and or I at least that. a lot of it. Um, and most likely the rest of the embroidery and beadwork was also done by hand, which is super cool. Um, yes. that sort of work takes literal days to do. So it's really impressive that the costumers actually went through the effort of putting all of that and all of those embellishments on by hand. I know, right? And they're so pretty. And I think one thing about that dress, because I've looked at like how to, you know, like reproductions of that dress that people have made, but the beaded work is so well done and so like, I don't know, like specific that even similar beadwork doesn't quite look right when I just look at reproductions of this dress. it I don't know why, like there are certain dresses that you can, you know, make reproductions of and they look similar enough even if the design is not exact. But for some reason, especially on the upper part, Mm-hmm. The the beadwork is just really, really detailed. And even from a distance, you can just kind of tell it's not the same when it's not that beadwork. I don't know if you feel the same way um, you, or if you you've even looked at reproductions. You cannot copy hand-done embroidery. Like, right. And, like, you know, maybe if possible. somebody... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's It's not. It will never be exactly the same. And that's what makes it so special. Yeah, and it's absolutely stunning. Yeah, the original of that dress actually sold for like $35,000. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. In fact, I think when I was like probably 14 or something, I think I saw that auction and I wanted it. And I was like, just kidding, can't afford that. (laughs) I was like, yeah. You know, when everybody was going through their Twilight phase, I was going through my Titanic phase and it was... It was, it was bad. I mean, I'm still clearly going through it, but yeah. I think I was uh, going through a Mary Poppins phase. <laughs> nice. I mean, look, I'll be honest. I did like Twilight too, but I remember a friend of mine had this Twilight party and I said something about like, I don't know why I would bring this up. Like, honestly, I was kind of a jerk to say this, but I mentioned how much like I, I still thought Titanic was better than Twilight. And she's like, we're not talking about Titanic at this party. And my mom right now, if she's listening to this, she's probably like secondhand embarrassed for me now because she was like, Anne, you need to stop. <laughs> but That's hilarious. I, yeah. yeah, I got people upset. Not Well, that one person at least. It's okay. Mom, I didn't get tons of people upset. Don't worry about me. I have friends. I uh, and 11 followers. Uh, I <laughs> 11 followers. <laughs> hated Twilight because my uh, 
well, my boyfriend and my best friend at the time were, like, fucking obsessed with it. And they literally dragged me and her boyfriend to see Twilight for a double date. And I was like, can we not? Thanks. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I, I don't hate it as much as, like, like now everybody kind of hates it. I think it, it, it's good for the target audience. Um, that was, but like, anyway. my first date ever, though. Oh. That was my first date ever. Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. It was so awkward. And I was like, can I we bet. Not, please? Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. What was I saying? Uh, I don't know. Oh, we were talking about the Twilight beating. And then we got here. <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. Uh, beating, beating, beating. So, yeah, the rich red was a very popular color for evening wear. So there was, like, you know, turquoise, deep blues, deep purples. That Those were very uh, popular. So I think this red works really well. Yeah. And I love this dress. Red is so also pretty. a statement color in just costuming in general. Um, mm -hmm. And I felt like it was a really powerful color there because that's when she, you know, goes to jump. And yeah. she really stands out as she is running across the frickin' deck. But also because it is a popular color for people to wear at the time, she doesn't under- she doesn't un- She doesn't stand out to the people in the actual Titanic, just to the audience watching her. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I love red. We've all, I've already talked about how much I love red dresses. Um, so yeah, that's a great dress. Love it. Moving on to the dinner dress. So this is the one where she she has uh, she meets Jack in first class for dinner, because technically the red dress was a dinner dress, but this is the dinner dress, and. Um, it's also the, the design for the dress at the ending called, like, the white dress called the heaven dress, where it's implied that Rose dies and she is reunited with Jack at the end. Uh, it's the same dress, just in white. I'm sure you noticed that. Uh, the same dress as which one? The dinner dress. So the one <laughs> that is actually called the dinner dress, which is, she wears when, uh, like, Jack takes her to, down to, uh, below decks and they're dancing. So... Where was I? Oh, same as the heaven dress, but the heaven dress is white. And both are beautiful. Love them both. Uh, the draping and overlays, the way it's sort of asymmetrical, and that was very common, uh, very fashionable. And um, I think this is also a good time to talk about hair and jewelry, because you can see her hair in, in the dinner scene is like wrapped in this sort of beaded ribbon, it looks like. And uh, that was that was common. That that was very fashionable. And uh, this again was also kind of fashionable in the Regency period with slight differences, obviously. But uh, and then yeah, so you see her kind of having the same hairstyle uh, with variations throughout the whole movie until you uh, have the flying scene where her hair is half up, half down, which 
again, still was more for, like, little girls, but I think it makes more sense in this because it's sort of symbolic of her having more freedom. So I don't have as much of an issue with it as I do with, again, if we're going back to, like, Les Mis with Cosette's hair. There's no character reason why her hair would be half down like that. It just... But in this part, in this way, it, it sort of is part of the story. So I don't have as much issue with that. Um, but yeah. So, and then as for jewelry, uh, diamonds, big deal. The more the better. And naturally, the heart of the ocean is a diamond and inspired by the Hope Diamond that is on display in the museum uh, the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History in DC, which I got to see when I went there and I was so excited. It's so pretty. And yeah, um, there's a really good close-up scene. So you know when Jack is like trying to get uh, Rose to dance with him on like below decks and he's like, okay, we have to get a little closer. There's a really nice close-up where you can see the detailed sequins on that dress and it is so beautiful and I gotta move on right now or I'm just gonna stare at it so now to the swim dress the swim dress aka the sinking dress aka hero dress which I've only heard like once but whatever aka water dress um, the one that she goes in the water with the salt yes. water mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fun water fact the about that dress I'm just going to insert most of my things in here. Um, They had to make about 24 of those dresses for the final scene because it kept getting destroyed by the salt water. That's funny because I read and I thought this was ironic. So I read that it was made to specifically look good in the water, but I know it was also made of dyed silk chiffon and silk stains in the water so like really (laughs) yeah the designer didn't say anything about it being made to look good in the water but she said that they had to make about 24 of them because it kept getting destroyed Wow. wow and i mean underwater i'm sure it does look good it's very flowy but then you have to keep remaking them because yeah silk stains i i have a dress well you know i have a dress that is made to look like this one I wore it to my bridal shower and I will definitely share that. Love that dress. It's, it's, oh, it's such a pretty dress, but I am always scared about getting water on it because it's made of silk chiffon. And that, while that is like my favorite fabric, it's also like really fragile Yeah, <laughs> and you got to be so careful with it. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting that they chose that fabric for the water, but I also see why they did because that, I mean, even the, the scene with the girl floating, that's probably made of the same fabric because it's just very, I mean, it floats even when it's not in the water. So imagine what it is. Um, so yeah, it was dyed, at the, well, and you, you can see that it was dyed sort of at the edges of like, like with pink fading into white and lilac fading into white. And you can, in the movie, it kind of looks blue, but the parts that look sort of like a, a periwinkle blue are actually, I think, supposed to be lilac. Um, which is interesting. I don't know why when it like was actually filmed, it turned blue, but I thought that was a fun fact. 
And uh, yeah, this is the one that's showcased in the scene where she's running, where they absolutely don't have to show the train flowing, but they do, which I love because they, they just really appreciated their costumer and it shows. Uh, and this is also kind of like a really good example of this loose, flowy look that was popular in the 1910s and the sort of like ha um, like opening, not opening, but you know how like it has the layers and like the front is split a little bit, uh -huh. the bodice. Yeah, that you see that everywhere in the 1910s. And I hear you yawning, so I'm almost done. <laughs> To go over a few inaccuracies. So remember how I said I'd go back to the corset. Yeah. Frock Flicks uh, did. So it was like, okay. So there's this video on YouTube that I actually used as a source um, that has pretty much most everything right. It's uh, by Glamour, and it's discussing the historically accurate historical accuracy of the costumes in Titanic, and um, it gets pretty much everything right. It just doesn't specifically say that uh, like. The facts themselves are right, but they fail to mention that the corset actually d is not quite accurate for the time, and I think I know why it was made that way. But let me first quote from Frockflix. Most corsets of the early 1910s, especially made for those who were younger and thinner, stopped just underneath the breasts. They were then worn with a bust bodice or brassiere, which looks much like a fitted chemise or corset cover that supported the breast. So the costume designer probably chose an overbust corset because the silhouette would be more attractive to modern audiences. In fact, in a Patreon article from Frockflix, they have some Photoshop uh, images compared. So like they hit Photoshop it to show what it would look like if the silhouette was period accurate versus what the silhouette actually was. And the, <laughs> the boobs are higher. <laughs> They're more raised up in the movie than they probably would have been in real life. And yeah, I think for modern audiences, it makes sense that she used an overbust corset. And the weird thing is, like, corsets weren't necessarily even underbust in the way that they are today at the time because they were even lower. They wanted this low bust line. So I'll obviously show those and um, just... Frockflix is amazing, so if you can support them on Patreon, not you specifically, because I know money's tight for us, but I donate $2 a month, and if anyone listening can afford it, I, I highly recommend supporting their Patreon because they work really hard and write some really nice articles that have helped me throughout my research, so um, definitely look at Frockflix. Uh, and then, again, makeup. Learn this in the YouTube video as well. Makeup in 1912 was taboo, like in the Victorian period. It wasn't meant to be visible, though some people, like actresses, did wear it thick. But the way that it was worn, when it was worn by actresses in 1912, looked more like a less smudgy 20s look than what we see in the movie, which is more 1990s, like when the movie was made. But, you know, again, that's more for audiences to like it and, you know modern uh vision of what was considered beautiful um i'm a little surprised that you didn't mention this at all but in the corset scene you can see the boning on the mom's collar oh there's like two lines of boning which i thought that you would be extremely excited about and was hoping that like you would I... hint on 
I feel like I've seen that. that before and got excited in the past, but forgot about it. Yeah, but they put the boning on there, which is something that actually existed at the time. Yes. Um, and I was super excited about that for Anne, uh, mm. <laughs> because that's not something that you see a lot, and it really does help with the costume and showing off how much the mom thinks about herself because uh, mm-hmm. she has to have this perfect neckline and this perfect dress and this perfect daughter whose corset she's now going to make tighter so she looks even more perfect um and i don't know i just thought it was amazing yeah it is i i remember it now i don't i guess it, it must have slipped my mind or i didn't actually i was doing stuff while i was watching it because i have seen this movie tons of times but i do remember seeing it in the past that is fair. Um, as far as Rose goes, she is dressed very sophisticated outside of the dinner scenes, and it is clear that she is a scholarly woman. Uh, Anne mentioned the dress that she wears when she's first getting onto the ship, and it looks like something you would see a college woman wearing. Um, someone who cares about the way that they look and the way that they present themselves. During the dinner scenes, however, she is all dressed up like a doll in order to fit into this upper class world that she's been told she's to be a part of. Um, Her dresses look like they were made to impress someone else, not to show her identity. They are showy and filled with delicate embroidery and beadwork that, like I mentioned before, was all done by hand, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it's completely her. It feels like it's her trying to put herself in the world that her family wants her in. And I, I felt like the exaggeration of how dressed up that the designer made her look really made that line stronger in the end. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Those are my notes. (laughs) Oh, that's it. Okay. (laughs) Well, I, you Uh, said a lot of my things, so I just finished it off. (laughs) It's okay. Okay. So do you, you probably already know like my first and second favorite. Uh, right. I mean, I only put one on here, but, uh, but your I, favorite I, one would be the swim dress, obviously. Yeah, so do you want to guess my second? Like, do you know my second favorite? Uh, no. Okay. I also didn't know your first favorite for sure. I just knew that you liked that really? one. Yeah. Okay. You never said, yeah. this is my favorite dress. You're just like, ah, pretty, but you say that to, like, every dress, so. <laughs> That's true. Well, I I think I can guess your favorite. Okay, go. I think it's the red one. It's not. <sighs> Darn it. What was it? It's the green one, actually. The one that you totally skipped by. <laughs> well, there's not tons of information on that one. Like, yeah. it's accurate. This that, is, but yes, that one's really pretty. That's my favorite. I like all the With lace. The, yes. And the orange belt. I, I, I like that pop of color. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, do you want to yeah. guess my second favorite dress? <laughs> uh. See, but 
It's either the dinner dress or the red dress. Yeah, but which one? Probably the red one. Uh, nope. It's the dinner one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, see, this is the why I just, is just went with your first favorite. slightly more sparkly. Huh? This is why I went with your first favorite. The dinner yeah. one is well, more I sparkly. You that one. But, yeah. like, you could. That would be easier to get another one of. I I think I like the dinner dress a little more because it's just slightly more cur not curvy but like the the red one is beautiful but it has more of this like straight lines whereas the dinner one has a more like more of a figure whimsical yeah mm-hmm yeah okay good time you want to list your sources oh shit yeah um. So, the one with good pictures and a stupid writer uh, that didn't even know who the fuck this person was, was called Mum, I Want That Down Vest, interview with with Deborah Lynn Scott. And I think the article is by Joan Pons. Uh, It's on O Magazine. Yeah. And then uh, I watched a YouTube video called, posted by Red Carpet News TV, and it's called Titanic Costume Designer Deborah L. Scott Interview V&A, and I would click to tell you the rest of the title, but then it'll start playing. Um, <laughs> I know, I'm giving you really great, helpful things, right? That's okay. Um, also, costumersguide.com. Yes. For the Titanic. Yeah. That, that is where I found out that the, um, dress got sold for that much money. My sources were fashionhistory.fitnyc.edu's article on 1910s fashion, Fripperies and Fobs Tumblr, uh, back hyphen to hyphen titanic.com frock flicks vintage dancer costumersguide.com glamour's youtube video fact checking titanic's costumes the ultimate fashion history video on 1910s fashion a medium article by kayla i hope i can i can understand i can pronounce this right kaylani kala on lady duff gordon the and the history chicks podcast on molly brown and 100 years ago in memphis.org I also did a lot of Google image searching. Just general look up Titanic costume designs and looked at all the pictures. Yes. Yep. And, and we I mean, obviously used the movie as a source. Yes. We did. I think we covered oh everything. Oh my gosh. I am so tired. <laughs> I don't know why. Should I Are should okay? I stop? Should I should I stop the recording? Oh, I mean we should sign off. Oh, yeah. Um. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll be back next time. So take a listen, tell your friends, and share. Bye.
enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To stay up to date on new episodes, don't forget to subscribe. For more content, find us on Instagram and Facebook at Tailcoats and Tiaras. You can tune in every other Tuesday for new episodes. See you next time. Thank you.